Okay, I want to start off here with, uh, I want to say good afternoon to everyone. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm Roger Dillman. I go on the Pal Talk, I go by the nickname of Seed Guy because I worked in the ag industry for uh, 32 years selling corn, beans, wheat, and alfalfa. And that's what I use on Pal Talk. I want to say a special thanks to Ronnie for asking me to speak today on the virtual Bible conference. <clears throat> today I'm going to speak on Philemon. Uh, on April the 6th, about two and a half weeks ago, I spoke on Pound Talk about uh, the introduction to the book of Philemon. After much consideration, I'm going to continue with your study with the study on Philemon today. And uh, I'm going to spend about four or five minutes on the introduction, and then we're going to start, and we're going to start with verse 1, and I hope to get through verse 7 here today. So, any got any questions? We're going to start. I'll read my slides in here. There we go. Philemon is the 57th book out of 66 books in the Bible, or Philemon is the 18th book in the New Testament. It comes immediately after 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. It's only one chapter long, or you could say 25 verses long. The question is, how did this letter to Philemon ever get itself into the collection of Paul's epistle letters? This little letter to Philemon is unique. If there ever was a letter that was written that was gracious or polite letter, it was Philemon. It does not deal with any great doctrines or it does not attack any great misbeliefs. It is the only private letter of Paul that we possess. I would guess that Paul must have written many private letters, but of all the private letters, only this letter to Philemon is the only letter to survive. The question is, how or why did this little letter to Philemon, this single sheet of paper, survive all these years. Philemon is a story about a runaway slave named Onesimus, who possibly was a problem slave, or he even possibly was a thief. Onesimus, who possibly was a, uh, he was a runaway slave, had found his way to Rome, approximately 1,300 miles from his house in Colossae. Another good example of that would be if you were to walk from Chicago to Orlando, Florida, that's about the same distance. And he chose to lose himself in the busy streets of the great city of Rome. But somehow, Onesimus came in contact with the Apostle Paul. And somehow, he then became a Christian. Now, I want you to keep in mind all this time that we're going through this, that in this time in history, there were approximately 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. 
something must have happened. Possibly was it the coming or showing up on the scene of a fellow by the name of Epaphras? But who was this fellow Epaphras? Epaphras was a Christian preacher who spread the gospel to his fellow Colossian citizens. Epaphras was the one who informed Paul about the conditions in Colossae. In other words, how the believers were doing, if there was any problems that was could be undermining the ministry that Paul had gone there or he had started. But Epaphras, he was a very important person. He was the main link between Paul and the Colossian believers. He evidently was the key person who had originally preached the gospel to the Colossians. Okay, we're going to start with verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. At the time Paul was writing this epistle, Paul says that he was a prisoner, someone who literally was being bound with a cord or a chain. We know that there were many times when Paul was actually bound with chains or by some other means. But in Rome, the imprisonment itself may have been the bonds. Paul says that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. <coughs> in other words, the Apostle Paul was a prisoner who belonged to Jesus Christ. It was Paul's relation to Jesus Christ, the fact that he belonged Jesus Christ, and because he taught the message that God gave him, is what got him into trouble and caused him to be put in prison. While Paul was in prison, God used the Roman prison system to keep Paul alive and to protect him. These verses certainly make it clear that Paul was in prison for faithfully teaching the post-Acts mystery of the message of the mystery, which Jesus Christ had revealed unto him. Remember, Paul, a prisoner on account of Christ, Paul belonged to Christ. Paul mentions Timothy as being associated with him at this time. We've already noticed that Paul specifically mentions Timothy in all the prison epistles except the book of Ephesians. There was no one who was closer to the heart of Paul than Timothy. Paul chose Timothy as a fellow worker when he was still a young man. Timothy had been personally trained by the Apostle Paul. Timothy was well informed and he was constantly in the Lord. Timothy was very concerned about the whole person's both 
physical and spiritual needs. Paul even wrote that I have no one equal to him. Timothy is genuinely concerned for the things concerning you because it seems that most of the time individuals just seek their own things, not just the things of Christ. Point being that Timothy's primary concern was the things of Christ and this involved the things of others, their spiritual and physical welfare. The Apostle Paul is the writer of this particular epistle. I want you to notice here in this verse 1 how that Hang on here, I lost my grace. Paul associates himself with Timothy as a friend, a brother, and a fellow laborer by the will of God. When Paul addresses the epistle to Philemon, the first person that Paul addresses is Philemon. This is the only time that Philemon's name is used in the New Testament. Paul speaks of Philemon as being someone who was beloved. Philemon was someone who had gained Paul's respect. And Paul was a receiver of Philemon's love. Paul also labeled Philemon as a fellow worker which means that Philemon was actively engaged with Paul when it came to others aware of the gospel of the grace of God. Philemon, who lived in Colossae, had apparently gone to Ephesus during the time Paul was there and had came to know Christ. Philemon and Ephesus and probably others were responsible for beginning and carrying on with the church here at Colossae. Going to verse 2, Philemon 2. And to our beloved Althea and our Pippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. The second person that is mentioned in this epistle of Philemon is Apetra. This is the only time that her name is mentioned in the New Testament. It is fairly logical to think that Althea was may have been either the wife of Philemon or a prominent woman in the Colossian church. The third person that Paul mentioned is Archippus. His name is mentioned only two times in the New Testament. Paul refers to him as a fellow soldier. Now I want to explain to you what a fellow soldier is. It's someone who is joined in battle with another fellow warrior, or a co-fighter. The word for fellow soldier carries with it the ideal there. So that's sort of how he got that title. The fourth point in Philemon 2, Paul addresses this letter to the group of believers that are meeting in Philemon's house. Assuming that Philemon was a prominent person in Colossae, which he may have been, it is logical to think that he may have had a large home or a house. 
This being the case, his house may have may well have accommodated a large mm -hmm. number of people. In other words, it probably was an ideal meeting place for the early Colossian believers. Now we're going to verse 3. Philemon 3 says, Grace to you and peace to God, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when you look at this title, this, uh, this verse, the full formula that Paul uses here is the same as was used in the majority of Paul's epistles. For example, the words grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses these two words, grace and peace, in the introductions of 13 of his epistles. However, Paul did add the third word, mercy, to two of his introductions, and that was in 1 Timothy. Especially since apostasy was on the increase with the Colossians. The Colossians had appeared to be faithful, and but yet they were turning their backs on the truth. Timothy did not have any an easy job at Ephesus because of this thing called apostasy. Just, re, just a reminder of what apostasy means. Apostasy is the falling away from the truth of the mystery of the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head. <clears throat> the evil one's opposition had plenty of time to organize against the total spiritual message of the mystery message, which was utterly foreign to the natural mind of man, and it was impossible to comprehend the work of the Holy Spirit. Previously, Paul had occupied the front line in the battle against Satan's cronies, but now it was Timothy who would be on the firing line, and Paul's desire was that God would give to Timothy not only grace and peace, but also would give him mercy as he stood against grievous wolves that are referred to in Acts chapter 20. The formula that Paul uses here in this letter to Philemon is the same as that used in the majority of Paul's epistles, grace and peace to you from God our Father and God from the Lord Jesus Christ. The preposition from has the idea of something that comes from or derived from or its origin is from God. Paul also associates grace with both God the Father and God the Son. This certainly establishes the fact that this was a common formula that was used by Paul to greet those to whom he was writing. They represent a general meaning that was important to all the believers. Each time in the epistles Paul wrote to Timothy, he added the word mercy, giving a particular importance later to Timothy. We also primarily link the word mercy with God the Father. Now, why would you and I do that? 
In Ephesians 2.4, which is one of our books, says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, for with he loved us. It appears that the other word that Paul uses in the introductions of his letters, the word grace, was the word peace. Peace most likely refers to that which Jesus Christ, God the Son, has provided. Peace through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. In other words, God in his grace and mercy provided the perfect sacrifice for Calvary that you and I might have peace through his blood. It's impossible to separate the peace that originates with God from the death of Jesus Christ that provides the basis for giving it to humans. Truly the grace and peace are from both God the Father and God the Son. Alright, we're going to go to Philemon verse 4. I thank my God making mention of the always in my prayers. The words I thank literally means to have good grace, to be grateful, and to express our appreciation to God. Everything that a believer is and does that is good or right is the work of God, and we are to give thanks and our gratitude should be expressed to God for it. I thank Paul was constantly thanking God for what God had done for in Philemon's life. This is Push the wrong button. <laughs> okay. I got it right here. Which literally, always, which literally means all the time. Paul was constantly reminding God just how much Paul appreciated what God was doing for Paul's good friend, Philemon. One thing is made very clear that comes out of this verse in Philemon 4 and is made very clear that Paul prayed for specific individuals. Paul is telling Philemon here that when he prays, and since the word of prayers is in the plural, what Paul is really saying is that when Paul was has time with prayer, which could be once or several times a day, that Paul thanks God for what God was really had really done through Philemon. And Paul prays that in the future, now this is an important part here, that in the future Philemon might do that which is right. Remember that. Okay, we're going to go to verse 5 of Philemon. Hearing or having heard of the love and thy faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward the soul, all the saints. Paul is speaking here of hearing or having heard, which speaks of what they had heard about in the past time about Philemon. 
that would apply to these two important, and that was Christian qualities, love and faith. What Paul, what Paul had heard of, what he did hear, that was about Philemon, that was applying to these two important qualities. I'm going to try, and I'm going to try here to tie Philemon and the Apostle Paul together, and also why that this letter was more than just a letter between friends and believers, that there was more than just a friendship involved here. And Paul was by no means taking Philemon for granted in their relationship. Paul writes about a couple of Christian qualities in Colossians 1, 3 through 5. I'm going to turn down. I got it here for you. Colossians 1, 3 through 5. Verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse 4, since we heard of two things. First, your faith in Christ Jesus. And second, the love which you have to all the saints. In verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before the truth of the gospel. We are to, as believers, we are to give thanks, which literally means to have good grace or to be grateful. It expresses the idea of having gratitude and thankfulness. Paul, in spite of all the troubles that he went through for the sake of the gospel message, example, Paul's daily dying for Christ, yet Paul still thrived in all the troubles he had. Paul continually poured out in thanksgiving and told believers to be thankful in everything, no matter what the situation. It's important that we notice that Paul consistently directs all his thanksgiving and prayer to the person of God the Father, to whom Paul prayed, to whom Paul spoke, and to whom Paul communicated. On the other hand, remember, all prayer is to be made in the name of or through the person of Jesus Christ. The Greek word translated always in Colossians 1.3 literally means all the time. Especially when you and I have come, it's important for us to always carefully follow what the scripture says on important issues such as this. So especially when you and I have we can freely go to access to come into the very presence of God the Father through the finished work of Christ on Calvary. Let us be sure and honor God by using our privilege and let us give credit to Christ for 
for providing this direct access to the Father. Paul was always in a mental state of thankfulness and prayer on behalf of all the groups. Keep in mind that Paul knew the secret of continuously communicating with God the Father under, sometimes this is hard, but all circumstances and in all situations. No one can read Paul's epistles without being totally convinced that prayer was a very important to the Apostle Paul. There was no doubt about it. Paul, down deep in his own heart, believed prayer did make a difference. Prayer did change things, and prayer did change people. Now we're going to continue with uh, Colossians 1, 3 through 5, and we're going to pick up verse uh, 4. Since we heard of two things, your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. The first thing in verse 4 that Paul thanks God for is there and there, and he's referring at this time to the Colossians, faith in Christ Jesus, since Paul had heard about their spiritual state prior to giving thanks for them. The key word here is faith. Paul knew that true faith in Christ involves a central belief that Christ is who he claimed to be. This meant that to the extent that they had knowledge of Jesus Christ, they believed what they had heard. This faith is a gift of God, and the exercise of it is absolutely essential for salvation. Paul always looked for those positive qualities in the believers for which he could thank God in their faith in Christ, which is the first one he mentions here. The second thing that Paul thanks God for is there, again referring to the Colossians, is their love toward all the saints. The word love is the difficult to define exactly what love is. It literally means apart from considering its actual usage in the New Testament. Love for a person is 180 degrees the opposite of hating a person. To love a person is to treat that person as you would treat yourself. In the way the Bible uses the word love, we can say that true love between believers is to be patient and kind. True love is not bragging and showing off. True love does not selfishly seek its own things. True love does not irritate and provoke others. The last verse in our reading is Colossians 1, 3 through 5, is verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, there whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. 
the hope. By the time the Colossians had heard about the heavenly hope, probably somewhere corresponds to the time when Epaphras returned to Colossae and began his teaching ministry in his own hometown. The information about their future hope in heaven was apparently a part of the God message that they had heard taught by Epaphras. The next thing that Paul thanks God for is their effective hope. I'm referring to the hope that is reserved for them in the heavenlies. The word hope gives us the idea of a projecting beyond the present. Hope involves in an expectation. Hope is a looking forward to. Hope is a longing for something that is out in the future. Again, we go back to Epaphras, the messenger for Paul, and others who had obviously taught the Colossians some of the basic truths. We may not know exactly what their understanding was, but of one thing we can be certain is, their hope in what was yet to take place was so strong that it motivated them to have increased faith in Christ and to have a greater love towards one another. Their hope effectively produced genuine spirituality. Ephesians 5, we're going to continue here with uh, more information on that. First, Paul speaks here of having heard that Philemon was also exercising two important Christian characteristics. We have looked at a couple of these qualities in Colossians 1, 3 through 5. Now let us look at what Paul says about some of the qualities of Philemon himself and some things that are very evident in Philemon's life. The first fruit of the Spirit that was evident in Philemon's life was love, which Epaphras was able to observe in Philemon's attitude and his conduct. Paul defines this love as that which spiritually edifies and builds up fellow believers. True love is present when a person is kind and patient and motivates believers to serve one another. Epaphras had seen Philemon. He had seen him help believers to mature in Christ. Epaphras had seen Philemon criticized and provoked without Epaphras getting upset. Epaphras had also seen Philemon stoop to serve other believers. As Epaphras informed Paul about Philemon's lifestyle, Paul describes it as love toward Christ and all the saints. The second fruit of the Spirit that was evident in Philemon's conduct was faithfulness. The most common equivalent for the word faithfulness 
is the word faith. Genuine faith in Christ will result in faithfulness to Christ. Faith identifies someone who has a reality in Christ. Faithfulness is an expression of that reality. The emphasis on this in this verse is obviously on what Philemon's faith in Christ produced. I'm referring to what Epaphras could actually see for himself, that Philemon was constantly edifying and uplifting others. He would choose to not become easily angered. He was being kind, and he was willing to serve others. Since Philemon's attitude and his actions were the indicators of love, Paul speaks of Philemon's love toward Christ in all the saints. Since Philemon faithfully obeyed Christ and was faithful in his relations with all the saints, Paul knew that Philemon had true faith in Christ that produces this thing called faithfulness. Philemon verse 6 that the communication of the faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Paul is expressing the purpose of his prayer to Philemon that the fellowship or the communication of Philemon's faith or in other words his faithfulness may produce good that will turn, in turn, exalt Christ. The word is translated faith. In this verse, as we have already observed, may also be translated faithfulness. Paul is praying that Philemon's faith in Christ might produce, might energize, might work or affect the good thing that Philemon is to do, that he might be faithful. Paul's real desire was that Philemon's faithfulness would be in the area of a perfect knowledge or a complete knowledge or a mature knowledge of everything that is good. The exact thing or the game plan that Paul is wanting Philemon to do is to receive Onesimus back as a beloved brother. It is important for you and I to notice that Paul's desire is that Philemon's faith to produce that which is right in the area of a perfect knowledge of everything that is good. Before Philemon could do that, which is good, he needed a standard by which is good, he could measure and determine good from evil. So the immediate issue at stake is, how should a Christian master treat a Christian slave? 
keep in mind that Paul wrote this epistle to Philemon in order that Philemon might have a perfect knowledge of God's standard relating to the issue of slavery. Paul was trying to set God's standard before Philemon and to work out a good pleasing basis on which he could be able to receive Onassis back. Both Paul and Philemon were involved in reuniting, reuniting Onassis with his master. responsibility of setting forth God's perfect knowledge and standard for this reunion. Paul had the responsibility of acting according to God's standard. Number, verse number seven, our last verse. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by the brother. This verse, verse Philemon 7, totally revolves around Philemon's love that he personally had for others. As Paul looks back, Paul is thinking of just how much joy, how much gladness and happiness Philemon's love had given to him personally. Also, Paul remembers the many times he had been encouraged and comforted by Philemon's love. The verb have here is suggesting that in the past, Paul had experienced this joy and encouragement on the basis of the love of Philemon. Paul may be referring back to some previous times when he was encouraged by Philemon's love toward the saints. Or Paul may be speaking of his reaction when Epaphras were recently reported how much Philemon loved the saints. Now, the word vows literally means their inward affection, their tender mercies. It is often referred to or called a gut feeling. And I'm sure all of you took time my gut feeling about this situation is this. It is speaking of the deep internal feeling in the pit of the stomach that someone experiences under shock and extreme distress. What this is referring to is in the midst of emergencies and possibly even the death of a loved one. Philemon was always there to help carry the burden. And to ease the pain and suffering. Philemon's actions showed how much he really loved the fellow Colossian saints. Paul saw Philemon's love for the saints in that which he did on behalf of the saints. 
if you'll notice that Philemon had refreshed. That's uh, Greek word number 373. But in Philemon's actions showed how much he really loved his Colossian saints. Even when the saints in Colossae were under severe tension and pressure from false, you got to imagine, which all of us, as we have accepted this mystery message, and then we have gone and dealt with our friends who are also Christians that belong to local churches, and they are constantly wondering how you're doing this wrong and doing that, but even when the saints in Colossae were under severe tension and pressure from false teachers and the enemies of the gospel, Philemon would put them at ease and in the Lord. But Philemon, the slave owner, was a special person. And the Lord, now this is something that really, all this time, you've got to understand that the Lord knew what he could expect out of Philemon. And I'm going to end it there today. And uh, I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, uh, I really want to thank you for listening. The next time will be Tuesday, June the 29th, 2021 at 8.30 p.m. Ronnie's going to mention... Ronnie or Chip is going to mention to you about Pow Talk. And I will start at Philemon verse 8. But in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I thank you and amen.